Father, we breathe in your presence. We breathe in your presence. We breathe in your presence. And we thank you, Father, for the work that you are doing in us this morning. And Father, we declared in the name of Jesus, we are awakened. Our spirit is stirred and are awakened to hear what you have to say. We thank you, Father, for your fullness, your goodness, and your mercy. In Jesus' name. Come on, church, this morning, give him thanks for what it is that he has done. Amen. Come on, say good morning to somebody that's around you this morning. We thank God for his goodness and his mercy and his faithfulness. For a God that knows no end and knows no quit, but is always there for us and willing and able to work in us. Amen. Man, I, if you are not familiar or you do not know, I love to celebrate yeah, Christmas too, but people. Um, and I'm excited because last week, last Saturday was a super important day for two people that are part of our church, Jose and Juliet. And they had their wedding last Saturday and they are a one week old newlywed couple. And uh, we celebrate you guys and, uh, and, and know that, that, man, as the Bible says, what God unites, let no man separate. And we speak a blessing, a corporate blessing as the body of Christ this morning upon you guys and what he's going to continue to do in each and every one of you and your children as God has brought you guys together. I'm so excited um, for, for, for what the next stage of, uh, of Jose and Juliet Guerrero is uh, JJ, right? J and J. So JJ, uh, uh, for, for what God's going to do in you guys. Amen. If you're not, I mean, I, I love to celebrate. It's important for us to celebrate the good and rejoice. And the truth is that if we look hard enough, we can find something good. Now, it's, it's a little bit of a reprogramming from the sinful mindset that we're born with. Because in our humanity, it's very easy to look for what doesn't work. In our humanity, it's very easy to focus on everything that has gone wrong. But God is doing something, and we just got to look. I reminded in the passage in the book of Isaiah where he says, the prophet says, that God is doing again a new thing. He will again open paths in the wilderness and you may be facing an uncertain wilderness, but the God that opened the Red Sea and opened the new path will open again. Whatever it is that you are encountering, just walk towards it. The temptation is to flee and walk away, but when you walk towards it, God will open it in the right moment in the due season. So don't give up. I don't know who that's for this morning. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't stop doing good. Don't stop doing what's right, but continue to press through because our God has given us victory and will continue to give us victory. Amen. Can you give God one more hand of praise this morning? 
And, and, and can, you, can you make it a little stronger for our online campus? Online campus, we love you. Um, I, I heard from several of our, of, our, of our church members that were not feeling well and, and stayed home this morning. We just pray a word of healing upon your life today. Right now, through these broadcasting waves, we declare healing upon your body. We speak life upon those that are having issues of headaches, issues in their kidneys, issues in their spine. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we declare healing. And we thank you, Father, for the presence, your Holy Spirit presence, which knows no distance, and you are everywhere. Right now, you bring healing in Jesus' name upon each and every person that is watching this this morning who is dealing with a physical ailment. We declare healing in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God is good, and he is faithful. So last week, we kicked off season two of Potholes of Life. Season two, and I reminded you, if you did not participate or you did not hear the parts of season number one, you can go back and binge watch them, right? We live in a time where we binge watch things. We, we watch an old show and we just watch them over and over and over again. So go binge watch season one of Potholes of Life and we'll get into the rest of it. Last week, we spoke about a, a pothole that we all face, if we're honest, anxiety, worry, and we face that all the time, especially in the uncertain times that we're leaving in today. And, and today I want to jump into a pothole that is very subtle, especially at the beginning. But it attacks every single one of us. And if we're not careful, every single one of us can fall into it. And is the pothole of compromise. The pothole of compromise. Can I tell you, society is conditioning us to compromise what we believe with the sake of being tolerant. Change your thought process. Change and align to what we think. Don't go by what the word of God says. Go by what society says. That's what the world system is trying to do. And I looked up the definition of the word compromise. It's going to come up behind me. And, and I put two definitions for it here. An endangering, especially of reputation, exposure to danger or suspicion. To make a dishonorable or shameful concession. Now, we're going to see in Scripture, in the life of someone, uh, 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 the, the compromise in their life. But before I do it, there's a couple of points I want you to jot down that are very important. Number one is this. One compromise leads to another. One compromise leads to another. I mean, let's think about for a second of, of, of a person who is a criminal mastermind and can make an elaborate plot to rob a bank. You know, they didn't start by robbing the bank. Something at the beginning of their life, at some point in time, led them from compromise to compromise that got them to a place where they are. Can I tell you something? The Twinkie you had yesterday didn't get you to the size you're at today. It was one after that. Why do I say that, man? Can, can I tell you why I don't even touch a soda anymore? Because I know that if that Pepsi touches my lips, it's going to say, wow, that's sweet again. Oh, that's this. And before I know it, oh, I can have one once every once. And that once a while becomes a once a week and maybe a once a day or three times a day. And before you know it, you're right back in it because one compromise can lead to another. Here's another thing about compromise that I need us to understand and think about this morning before we jump into the book of Judges, is that compromise can lead to death. 
Compromise can lead to death. I can't tell you how many people, unfortunately, I have encountered in my life who got clean from something only to say, well, I can get close again or only this and one little slip up or compromise literally cost them their life. Compromise can lead to death. It can lead to a physical death or it can lead to a death of a marriage. It can lead to the death of a relationship. It can lead to the death of a work encounter. It can lead to death. And compromise is a manipulative tactic from the enemy to derail our calling and purpose from God. I'm going to say that one again. Compromise is a manipulative tactic of the enemy to derail our calling and our purpose from God. See, we're going to look at somebody in the Bible whose name Samson. Samson was the world's strongest man. Competition was made after him. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Samson, and, and I'm going to go through Judges chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16. This is your homework. I'm telling you now, read it this week. It's four chapters, the story of Samson. Judges 13, 14, 15, and 16. Judges chapter 13 recounts the story of his birth. See, the children of Israel were being oppressed by the Philistines, and the Philistines is a type for the world system. And they were being oppressed by the Philistines, and Samson's parents could not have children. And one day, an angel shows up to Samson's mom and says, stop drinking wine and don't eat anything that comes from the vine, for you're pregnant. And the child in you has a purpose and has been separated from me, for me, from the Lord, says, to deliver the children of Israel, and he shall be a Nazarite. Now, Nazarite, not be confused with Nazarene. A Nazarene is a person from Nazareth. A Nazarite was a person who had taken the vow of a Nazarite. You can read it in Deuteronomy what it meant. But I'll give you a little quick synopsis. First things first. It was a vow that was made for a season. I am going to go into this vow for X amount of time. And what did the vow include? They could not cut their hair during the time of that vow. They could not drink or eat anything that came from the vine. So they couldn't eat grapes, they couldn't have raisins, they couldn't have grape juice, and they couldn't have wine. Anything that came from the vine, they could not consume. They could not touch anything dead. They could not touch a dead carcass, a dead person, a dead animal. They could not touch any of that. That's what was the vow that the Nazarite had. Now, there was a difference here. There was not a duration of time. It was for the duration of Samson's life, which is why God tells the mom, he will be a Nazarite from birth. So right now, even him in your womb, you need to stop drinking the wine because he's been separated for me. The dad, she, goes, she sees the vision. She goes and tells her husband. Her husband's like, well, who told you? He's like an angel. So he believes and, and says to her, all right, stop drinking it. And he goes and he prays, God, send me the angel to tell me so that I may ask how to raise my son. He didn't understand fully. So the angel of the Lord shows up again, gives him the whole instruction. And this is Samson's birth. Samson with a purpose. And this leads us, that's chapter 13. This leads us to chapter 14. So let's go to chapter 14. That's where we're going to dive into the word this morning. I am preaching today out of the ESV translation. I usually preach out of New King James, but this week I felt to, uh, from the Lord to use out of the, judge, uh, as a, the ESV version. All right. So here we are. This is where we're found in Judges chapter 14. Samson went down to Tibna 
And at Tibna, he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Tibna. Now get her for me as a wife. But his father and mother said to him, is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all your people that you must go to a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? I'm going to pause there for a second. I said a minute ago, just in passing, that the Philistines was a type of the world system. The Philistines it, 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 it was the uncircumcised. They were there and oppressing the children of Israel. And right now, the world system is trying to get the body of Christ to compromise so that we don't have a leg to stand upon to confront the world system about the sin that is in the world. And many believers, at times, we want and we are so enticed by the world system that we begin to compromise who we are to be like them. And what we end up doing is falling trap to doing what they do away from what God said to do. So here he is. He goes and he tells his parents, get her for me as a wife. The parents say, she's a Philistine. Why? And then verse number three, this is what Samson says. But his father, or mother, mother said, Did not, there's not a woman in all the Philistines you can, or, you can marry. And then this is what Samson says. Get her for me. For she is right in my eyes. Can I tell you something? Compromise. Compromise. Sorry, I missed my page here. Starts with looking for what is right in our own eyes. It looks good to me. It's what I think is good. That was where he started part of this compromise. He saw her. It looked enticing to her. So he went to his parents and said, get her for me. I want it. They warned him. He said, it doesn't matter. I want it. Now, I'm going to be very clear because when you read verse 4, it actually says that the parents didn't know that this was of the Lord. So let's pause there for a second. When you go into the original and you begin to read, what it's conveying here is not that God wanted Samson to go marry the Philistine, but that even though Samson went and did this wrong thing that was breaking the law, okay, that was part of the Mosaic law, who they could marry and not marry, God was going to use it or ended up using it for his favor and gain. Can I tell you something this morning? God is never going to give you a blessing that is wrapped in a curse. He will never give you a blessing wrapped in a curse. Samson was compromising the Mosaic law that he lived under by even wanting to be married to this woman. See, we think about Samson, we mainly think of his positives. How many of you remember the story of Samson killing a thousand men with a donkey's jawbone? The story of Samson lighting two foxes, tying their tails together and lighting the tail on fire and spreading it through the field. The story of him going and overpowering the 30 men. The story of him at the end of his life causing the pillars to fall and 3,000 men died. These are all victories in spite of his compromise. And so many times we look at the fact that there was a blessing that came out of it to justify our compromise at the beginning. Don't justify your compromise. Don't justify it. See, we say things like, this is such a blessing from God when it was the result of a sin. And that is not that God intended it. It wasn't his perfect will. But in his forgiveness, mercy, and steadfast love for us, he can even use our mess up for a victory. But that whole philosophy of I got to go through something to have a testimony, that's not legit, man. 
God wants you to stay as far away from the line as possible so that he can use you without bumps in your road. We all face circumstances. We all face opportunities to compromise, but it's not God's best for us. So we see that here in Samson. He compromised. It started by looking for what's right in his own eyes. When we put our eyes on something that God did not intend for us, we are compromising with our eyes. Now watch. It continues saying, if you're there, chapter number 14, verse number 5. Then Samson went down with his father and mother to Timnah, and they came to the vineyards. Highlight that word. To the vineyards of Timnah. And behold, a young lion came toward him roaring. Then the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. Pause there for a second. He was in the wrong place. What do you mean he was in the wrong place? Well, what wasn't he supposed to touch, eat, or drink? Wine. Wine comes from grapes. Grapes go in the vineyard. Why was Samson in the vineyard? See, if Samson had not been in the vineyard, the lion, young lion wouldn't have found him. And sometimes as believers, a compromise will have an attack of the enemy come to us, and the power of God may deliver us. But we shouldn't have been there to begin with. And you know how we know he wasn't supposed to be there? Look at the rest of the verse. But he didn't tell his father and mother what he had done. It continues actually saying, after some days, he returned to her and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey. He scraped it out of his hands and went eating. As he went, he came to his father and mother and gave some to them. And here it is again. But he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey from the carcass of the lion. Do you see the compromise? He's in the vineyard. He goes back to see it. Oh, it's been a long time. That doesn't affect me anymore. Let me see. I can go get close to it again. No, wrong place. And definitely at the wrong time. Compromise leads to compromise that leads to circumstance and situations. And so this is what I wrote down here. This is the way I looked at it or saw it this morning. If you have to keep it a secret, it's probably something compromising. If you have to keep it a secret, it's probably something compromising. Say, if you've got to go delete your browsing history, it was probably compromising. If you've got to hide it, it was compromising. If you can't drink it in front of other people, it was compromising. If you have to keep it hidden, it's because it was something compromising. Why would he not tell his parents, a lion attacked me and I tore it apart? You kidding me? My kids catch a lizard. Alexandra, she loves animals. She's like, Dad, look what I caught a lizard. There's a frog. I caught, like, she's proud of it. You wouldn't think of Samson. We'd have come back. Mom, Dad, guess what? This lion came and I got it. Boom. I ripped it apart. And then Mom and Dad would have been like, But where did the lion attack you? In the vineyard. See, the follow up question. Where did this happen? In the vineyard. But you're not supposed to be in the vineyard. Then he sets his way aside to go look again. And he finds the carcass. And now not is just that he sees the carcass again. But there's enticing sweet honey in the carcass. So he dug into the carcass. Part of the vow, don't touch dead things. 
And he pulls out the honey. He starts eating. And he comes to mom and dad. Here, have some honey. But mom and dad didn't ask the follow-up question. Where'd you get the honey? So he just kept it quiet. Why? Because he would have said, I got it from the carcass of the lion. You touched a dead thing. Go repent and get right with God. You have a vow. Church, if you've got to keep it secret, it's probably compromising. Then we get to the rest of the story. I'm not going to read all of it, but this is what he says. He goes to the people for the wedding feast, and he says, I've got a riddle for you all. If you solve the riddle, I'll give you 30 outfits of clothes and 30 changes of clothes, so about 60 outfits. If you can't solve the riddle, you got to give it to me. And this is the riddle that he reads to them, all right? Verse number uh, 14. Out of the eater came something sweet. Out of the strong came something sweet. So again, out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. So these people are trying to rack their brains, right? What is it? What is this, this, this riddle? And so they go and, and they ask his, his bride, what's the answer? She goes to Samson for the first three days. What's the answer? What's the answer? And he's like, I'm not going to tell you. I didn't even tell my parents the riddle. I'm not going to tell you. And they continue. And the Bible says, if you go down there in, in, in verse number 16, and Samson's wife wept over him and said, you hate me. You do not love me. You put a riddle to my people and you've not told me what it is. And he said to her, behold, I have not told my father or mother. And how shall I tell you? Verse number 17. She wept before him the seven days. What a wedding, bro. Seven days. That their feast lasted. And on the seventh day, he told her, look at this line, because she pressed him hard. Can I tell you something? The world will press hard and manipulate in order to get us to compromise. That's what she was doing. You don't love me. You hate me. Oh, blah, blah, blah. All together, crocodile tears to get what she wanted. She pressed hard to the point that he then told her. And then she went and told the people. And the people came and said, the answer to the riddle is lion. What had happened, right? What was the riddle? One more time. Out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet, the lion and the honey. What was the answer? Nobody knew what it was. But she pressed him into compromise. Then that's where he now has to honor his vow. And he goes to kill and God. Again, we see the grace of God. The spirit of the Lord still came upon him. And he was able to kill 30 men. And then take the clothes from them. Again, compromising and touching something dead. To take off the clothes to honor a vow. After some time, the Bible says... He goes back to get his wife, but the father of the bride gave her away to somebody else. And that's when he was infuriated. He got two foxes, tied their tails together. Peter, don't, it's in the Bible. It's not me. I didn't do it. Tied their tails together, lit the foxes on fire, and send them through the field, and it lit everything on fire. So they come to try to kill Samson. And Samson tells the children of Israel, tells his people, hey, 
Don't, you don't kill me. Fine, turn me over to them, but don't kill me. So they bind him, and a thousand soldiers, a thousand people come to get him, and he, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. He breaks free. He finds a jawbone of a donkey, and with that jawbone, he slaughters a thousand men. Again, in spite of his compromise, God used him. Why am I being very, very methodical and purposeful in mentioning these things? So many times as Christians... We look at someone who things are still working out in their life, not understanding that God is just giving them opportunities to repent before the grace is truly lifted and they enter into despair. And we begin to live our lives saying, oh, but there's, you know, Johnny Smith and God is blessing them. They have this and they have that. And I know he's in adultery or I know he's in this and I know he's in that. And God is still blessing them. No, God's grace is so much that he gives you enough rope to give you time to pull you back in if you repent. But, buddy, if you continue to compromise, it can cost you your life. So then it gets us to chapter number 16. And in chapter number 16, it says that now he goes to Gaza, and there he sees a prostitute and went into her. Now he's out in the open compromising. Forget about in the hidden, in the vineyard and not telling anybody. Now he is actively compromising in sin with something he knows he's not supposed to be doing. And as he continues to go there, he then falls in love with Delilah. And the people of the Philistines go to Delilah and say, hey, why don't you seduce him and find out where his strength comes from? So he goes... And Delilah begins to Delilah her, him. She begins to be Delilah. And they get together. And she all of a sudden comes and says to him, Samson, where is the strength? The, the, the world system, the Philistines tell her, each of us is going to give you 1,100 pieces of silver if you find out where his strength comes from. Pretty enticing. So then... She tells him, where's your strength? Verse number seven, Samson says, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll she come become weak like any other man. So you know what happens that night? She ties him with seven fresh bowstrings. And the, the Philistines come and she says, Samson, the Philistines are among you. Boom, he breaks free, takes out the Philistines. The next night, Delilah says to him, verse number 10, behold, you mocked me. You told me lies. Tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, if they bind me with new ropes that have not been used, then I shall become weak. That night he goes to sleep. She ties him with new ropes, wakes him up. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Boom, breaks the ropes, takes out the Philistines. She comes back to him again. Verse number 13. Until now you've mocked me and told me lies. Then he says, if you weave the seven locks of my head with the web... And fasten it tight with the pin. Then I shall become weak. See, his compromising is progressively getting him closer to the true source of his strength. And can I tell you something? I need you to jot this down. I need you to learn this and have it in your ingrained. When we begin to compromise, we don't even notice the attacks anymore. I mean, this guy already went through his first wife. Nagging him for seven days. 
till he compromised and told her the thing only for her to go blot it out. And now here's Delilah. Come on, tell me. I mean, se cae de la mata. If you tell the person, if you tie my shoes with a purple shoestring and all of a sudden the next morning is a purple shoestring, who knew? Shit. And the next day, another thing and another thing. But he was blinded because of the compromise. And then he finally breaks down and tells her. Verse number 18 says, she pressed him hard with her words day after day. Come on, world system right now, pressing hard day after day. And urged him, and his soul was vexed to death. So he told her all that was in his heart. Skip down to verse number 19. See, she, he told her what it was. If you cut my hair. Verse number 19. She made him sleep on her knees. And he called him man and had them shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him. And his strength left him. Can I tell you what the world does? What compromise does? Compromise will lull us to sleep so that we can then be destroyed. Compromise will lull us to sleep. Put your head on the knees and begin to go like this till you start getting so comfortable and drowsy and sleepy so that they can call the barber to cut off the head or the hair off the head, and then the very same person that was calling you to compromise begins to torture you and inflict the pain. It's not worth it. So they come, and she screams, the Philistines are upon you. And he gets up thinking like the other times. But guess what? The grace was gone. The strength was lifted. See, we look at different people that had a thing. You see somebody who's been married for 20 years, and all of a sudden you hear they got divorced. And you're like, how? They look so happy. All of their Instagram posts, well, that was fake, but all of their things and all everything. You don't know the compromises where they started 10 or 15 years ago. You see a, a, a man of God or a woman of God or somebody that falls. It's like, how did that happen? Well, we don't know where the compromises started and can I tell you something this morning? You don't lose your walk with God overnight. You don't lose your walk with God. It is, as that verse says in Psalms, a slow fade, a compromise that leads to another compromise that leads to another compromise that before you know it, you are asleep. And can I tell you that the world system of the Philistines have got us the body of Christ so lulled to sleep right now that we are compromising minute after minute and looking and acting just like the world. Just like the world. Nothing distinguishing us. Nothing separating us. But I have good news. Even though it is a very slow fade to lose that walk with God, can I tell you that one turn around and calling out to him, he will restore you. Redeem you. Refresh you. But don't abuse his grace. Compromise is abusing God's grace. See, when you're compromising, knowing that God will still forgive you, you are trying to abuse his grace. 
I may go one, two, or three, but there comes a moment of reckoning. So we have to make the choice to walk for God in every moment. See, can I tell you what happened when Samson was taken? The Bible says they gouged out his eyes. I want you to get a visual picture of that and write this down this morning. Compromise will remove your vision. Compromise leads to a lack of vision. When you say, I can't hear from God right now, I don't see where God wants me to go, I would challenge you and I challenge myself, examine and see where there's compromise that has led me or led me to a lack of vision. Because it doesn't just happen. It's one compromise that leads to another that leads to another. So these people come and get Samson. They gouge out his eyes. They make him basically what we would call a court gesture. They would torture him and they would bring him out to dance and do all these things. This blind man led the prince of, of Israel, this man who had defended them. But Samson, the Bible says in chapter 16 that his hair began to grow. And in verse number 28, he cries out to the Lord and says, Oh, Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. See, we've talked in this series of potholes that the way that we overcome them is to seek God, listen to God. And then obey God. At the end of Samson's life, he had a return to the original vow. And he sought the Lord and he prayed and he talked to God and he went into that place. And again, the power of God came upon him. And he stood by the pillars and pushed them aside. And the whole entire building crumbled and 3,000 Philistines died. And it says that he killed more at his death than he had in all the other years he had judged Israel because he overcame that pothole. But can we learn from Samson and avoid compromise in our life? Will you and I be able to confront and change the world system without compromising ourselves, without compromising our integrity, without compromising our beliefs, without compromising what God says? Without compromise. When the world sees us compromise, the devil laughs and says, they're on the path to me. And it's easy for us to look and say what the big things are. Adultery. Murder. But how about the little compromises that go from one to the next? You know, like when you strive so hard to change your eating habits and you're doing well and all of a sudden you go eat and there is the temptation of some really fresh, nice, good looking, thick mozzarella sticks. Say, so I'll just have one. And you get it and you dip it and you eat it. And they say, well, you know, it wasn't that, I can have another. And then you have your meal. 
And then you get to the point where it's like, well, I already had the mozzarella sticks and I already had the bad lunch. I might as well have the dessert. And then the next morning you wake up feeling bad. But the devil comes and says, you already messed up yesterday, so why don't you just keep on today? So that morning you go to Krispy Kreme. And you know how the devil works with his temptations. That day there, buy one, get one free. And you get the point of what I'm trying to dig in. One compromise leads to another. That leads to another. And before you know it, your eyes have been gouged out and you're enslaved in the prison of your compromise. It's a pothole that can be avoided if we seek God, if we listen to God, if we obey God. Church, let's go ahead and stand to our feet this morning. I want everybody just to close their eyes for a minute. Online campus, even right there where you are, just close your eyes. And I want you to take a second to examine yourself. And let the Lord show you areas of compromise in your life. What are the areas of compromise? And I was heartbroken this week when I read the story of this player from the Raiders, Ruggs. I'm going to tell you why I'm heartbroken by it. Not because the result of him driving the way he was driving intoxicated at 156 miles an hour, slamming into a car that cost somebody their life. What hurt to me the most was that if you actually go to his internet pages, his main picture is the gravesite of his best friend that died in an automobile accident years ago because of drunk driving. And I'm sure that when he that night celebrated and had one drink, didn't think that one would drink to two, to three, to four, to wherever he was that got him to the place that his life is forever changed, ruined in the physical. I'm talking the physical. I don't know him. I don't know if he knows the Lord. I'm just trying to get you to see a picture in your mind. One compromise leads to another, that leads to another, that leads to another, that leads to another. And the serenade of the world system is trying to lull the body of Christ to sleep. So that's why with every head bowed, with every eye closed, I want you to ask the Lord, show me areas of compromise in my life. And Father, this morning, I pray that you show us and that we may repent and eliminate those areas. Cost us what it may cost us on earth to be able to walk in the freedom that comes from you. Holy Spirit, teach us. We repent for these areas of compromise and declare that we walk in the freedom and liberty that comes from you. Father, I pray that the church may awaken from being lulled to sleep, to stand for what is right, to stand for what the Bible says, 
to stand for biblical marriage, to stand against the taking of life through abortion, to stand for every single thing that the Word of God says, not picking and choosing. I come against the spirit of division that is walking amongst the body of Christ separating us from other believers because of what they think about a vaccine or a shot or, 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 or a mask or a thing. We're being so divided, being lulled to sleep by the world system. Father, I pray that we may awaken no matter what side of the aisle we reside on, that we may be awakened because we reside upon the body of Christ. We reside upon the word of God. We reside upon what you said, Lord. We come against division. And we declare we walk in freedom. In victory. In the name of Jesus. We declare a victory in Jesus' name. Come on, just worship him in there for a minute, right there where you are.